plan for your life? Do you know where you want to go? Are you looking to be happier, healthier, and wealthier while having more fun every day? Meet our empowerment architect and goddess gardener, Cynthia Bryan, as she engages in energetic exchanges with success experts, bringing you research, innovations, strategies, and techniques to strengthen your life, business, and personal spaces. Be inspired, motivated, encouraged, and empowered. Lend us your ears right here on Star Style. Be the star you are. The party starts now. Well, hello, Power Partners. I am glad that you're here with us on Star Style, Be the Star You Are. We're brought to the airwaves under the auspices of Be the Star You Are charity, and we are broadcasting live from Voice America Network, and this is the Empowerment Channel. We want you to think big and imagine your dreams as if they've already happened. And always just remember that you are the writer, producer, director, and the star of your own life. The Miracle Moment for today is brought to you by Be The Star You Are Charity. Please visit the website bethestarur.org or btsya.org. This is the 20th year for this 501c3 that has been uh, heralded as a top nonprofit for numerous years. And this is by T.S. Eliot. We shall not cease from exploration and the end of all of our exploring. We will be to arrive where we started and we'll know the place for the first time. In case that gives you a little hint, what we're going to be talking about today is, yes, the July 20th, 1969 Apollo 11's lunar module touched down at exactly 4.17 p.m. Eastern Time, and six hours later, Neil Armstrong took that one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind, with Buzz Aldrin joining him on the moon and Michael Collins waiting in the skies. So it's been 50 years and only 12 astronauts have walked on the moon. And what did it mean to all of us? Well, we will talk about that and find out more in segment one when um, when I when I start talking about it. I guess that's the best way to say it. We're also going to look at... Um, Physicians throughout the ages have encouraged people to go outside more, and science really supports the fact that exposure to natural stimuli, especially to gardening, lowers blood pressure, bolsters immune system, reduces the levels of stress hormones, improves our disposition, increases confidence, promotes healing, lessens inflammation, minimizes obesity problems, decreases our dependence on pain medication, and much, much more. So we will be talking about that in uh, just a bit when we talk about prescribing parks, not painkillers. And being talented isn't it enough. Uh, we have to, you know, in order to be successful, if you want to be profitable, you need to know how to run a business. And every business faces risks. So identifying them and taking the steps to mitigate obstacles is crucial. Well, I'm going to take just a very, very short break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about the day the world stopped. We're going to recall that searing moment 50 years ago when Apollo 11 astronauts became the first men to walk on the moon. You're listening to Cynthia Bryan. This is Star Style. Be the star you are. 
And I will be back in just a couple of minutes. So hang in there because this is going to be great. Be the star you are. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. Are you seeking a Dynamo speaker for your meeting, conference, or organization? Internationally recognized keynote speaker and New York Times bestselling author and lifestyle coach, Cynthia Bryan, will bring her energetic expertise, passionate professionalism, and ebullient personality to your event. Hailed as an expert in lifestyle, women's issues, self-help, personal balance, leadership, media, gardening, and interior design topics, Cynthia Bryan is a popular empowerment keynote speaker around the world. Lecturing to audiences of 100 to 5,000. For rates and bookings, call 925-377-STAR. 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 And visit www.cynthiabryan.com. When you want the best, book Cynthia Bryan. www.cynthiabryan.com. This business of show business is calling out to me. Get started acting or modeling with a consultation from media coach extraordinaire Cynthia Bryan, who has guided entertainment careers for over two decades. Call 925-377-STAR or visit www.cynthiabryan.com. Pick up a copy of her award-winning book, The Business of Show Business, and start living your dreams today. Call 925-377-STAR. 925-377-STAR. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. The Voice America Live Events Channel is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit VoiceAmerica.com forward slash live events to see all of our past live events and find out more. Whether it's a multi-day conference, special speaker, or single-day event, we've got everything to make your event a success. We can do a few hours or a few days. For more information about taking your event to the next level, call Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or email info at voiceamerica.com. Again, that's Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or send us an email to info at voiceamerica.com. Voice America is where you are and where you want to be. Join us around the globe as we broadcast live from some of the most interesting events available. Don't forget to view all our live events, including on-demand access to past events that you may have missed by visiting voiceamerica.com forward slash live events. It's power time on Star Style. Be the star you are with your passion, purpose, and possibility producer, Cynthia Bryan. Now, back to the power party. This business of show business is Well, this is such an ex- exciting topic. I don't know who out there that's listening at the moment was alive or remembers 50 years ago on uh, July 20th, 1969, when a man or two men walked on the moon for the first time. And, you know, I just have found it so fascinating to be reading about it and watching things about it. There's a, a documentary, I guess, that's out there on IMAX, if you have that, called Apollo 11, that is really highly recommended for people to see. And, of course, probably many people saw Ryan Gosling, you know, in The First Man. That was really great. So it's been half a century since humans landed on the moon for the first time. And it was estimated that 650 million people around the world 
watched and or listened on July 20th, 1969, as Apollo 11's lunar module touched down at 4.17 p.m. It was Eastern Standard Time. Well, here it is, uh, California, and we're just about at that time. So it's interesting that, you know, it is literally 50 years ago, almost to the hour that this happened. Now, that is actually one-fifth of the population that was in existence at that time. Then six hours later, Neil Armstrong took that one small step for man and one giant leap for mankind, and Bulls Aldrin prepared to join him. Michael Collins was in the skies waiting for the return. And um, some famous and later to be famous observers around the world say that it was a day that kind of changed everything. But only 12 astronauts walked on the moon in total. And the inspiration is really spurring us 50 years on to shoot for Mars. While um, we still never tire of saying that crazy sentence, you know, oh, they can put a man on the moon, but we can't figure out how to plug in a toaster. (laughs) So the four, there were America, you know, there are so many Americans who helped put a man on the moon. In fact, there were over 300,000 Americans from seamstresses to scientists who welded in common purpose. There wasn't racism, sexism, uh, drugs, war, uh, any of that that was going on there, although it was certainly happening outside in our nation. And the moonshot remained a rare fixed point during that whole turbulent decade of the 60s, because that's when so many horrible things were happening, including the Vietnam War, the race riots, uh, and of course, um, there was also a lot of sexism going on at that time. It was a chaotic time, and yet it was a wonderful moment that everyone was proud of in the midst of all those war protests. So a cross-section of the nation Uh, As I said, more than 300,000 people joined forces to make Apollo 11 possible. Now, John F. Kennedy had been president for only 125 days, just 125 days, when he pledged America's reputation and fortune to a bold quest. Um, He said, I believe that this nation should commit itself to achieving the goal before the decade is out of landing a man on the moon and returning him safely to the earth. Now, reaching for the moon helped to fortify capitalism and democracy in a very uncertain world. And just a month before he made that statement, in April of 1961, the Soviet Union had put the first human in space. And a U.S.-backed invasion of Cuba, you probably remember, foundered at the Bay of Pigs. I was recently in Cuba at the Bay of Pigs, and there's a museum there, of course, um, and it talks about the folly of Kennedy and of the Americans. In fact, it blames pretty much all of the ills of America of uh, Cuba on the Americans. So um, then what happened with five engines generating 7.6 million pounds of thrust The ground shook and the sky filled with steam and smoke and thunder. And, of course, the crowds erupted. Everyone started looking up and everyone started giving each other attaboys. But I found it very interesting. I was reading a Smithsonian magazine 
And if you, let's see what, let me just tell you, oh, it was the June issue of Smithsonian. And it goes into great, great detail about the entire Apollo 11 mission. And what it really turns out is that it wasn't so much to get a man on the moon. It was really a race between America and the Russians. And uh, what I found so fascinating in reading this article, and by the way, there are some, if you're going to be around the Smithsonian, they are holding some just incredible special exhibitions right now about the whole space mission. But what they were talking about is that, um, interestingly, Kennedy really didn't believe so much in going into outer space. What he wanted to do was to beat the Russians. And had he not been assassinated, um, we may not have been the first people on the moon because it was after that Lyndon B. Johnson took the presidency that he reinstated the money to go to the moon because there wasn't enough money to actually do it. So we have some other, just some statistics, and then I'll tell you a little bit more about the moon. So um, the total amount of time U.S. astronauts spent in space when President Kennedy in 1961 announced his goal of sending a man to the moon by the end of the decade had only been 15 minutes. That was it. And they, when they did go to the moon, they brought back 22 kilograms, which is about 49 pounds, of lunar rocks and other samples, and that was brought back by Apollo 11. As far as women go who worked on the Apollo 11 launch in the control room in Florida, there was only one. NASTRA Instrumentation Controller Joanne Morgan was responsible for 21 channels of communications as well as the health and welfare of all the monitoring systems for the Saturn V rocket. The other interesting thing about that one woman was there was no uh, pay equality. Of course, there's still no pay equality for women. We're still um, battling that. But it was interesting. Women could expect to receive about uh, 54 cents on the, on the dollar at that time. So Neil Armstrong, he hovered a few miles above the surface of the moon on July 20th because he was searching for a safe place to make history. And with only um, minutes of fuel remaining to land the first men on the, on, the, um, on the moon, a power meter failed in Apollo 11's really cramped lunar landing, and communications faded in and out. And then warnings began flashing a program alarm, a program alarm, and there was a program alarm that said 12.02, Five times the onboard computer signaled an emergency, like none that Armstrong or his crewmate Buzz Aldrin had practiced. And in that moment, the lives of two astronauts and the efforts of more than those 300,000 technicians and the labor of eight years at a cost of 25 billion dollars and of course the pride of a nation depended on a few lines of this pioneering computer code and um, it was the software that saved the mission so that is so interesting because what so many have said is that 
Apollo 11 and the moon landing did not usher in the space age. In fact, there wasn't, it really kind of fell apart. What it ushered in was the digital age. So from the vantage point of 50 years, we can view the leap to another world as a singular triumph of humankind by almost any standard, though it is a victory for the machine because it marked the most important 15 minutes in the history of computing. They had put a computer at the center of this project. So it was a real test of technology and everyone's belief and aspiration for it. So the Apollo guidance computer, the first digital general purpose, multitasking, interactive, portable computer, laid the foundations of much of the digital world that we know today. From the fly-by wire cockpits of commercial jetliners to multitasking smartphones that we carry in our pockets. And um, it, the code, it was all powerful. It was in that airless void above the moon, that a wafer-thin silicon and the code that powered it came of age. And that is what, well, this is why we have cell phones and what we have uh, we, that we are using today. Now, um, today the moon landing has really ascended to the realm of American mythology because in our imaginations, it's like a snippet of crackly audio and a very calm, maybe slightly hesitant Neil Armstrong stepping from the ladder onto the surface of the moon when he made that famous saying. And it's such a landmark accomplishment that the decade-long journey has been concentrated into this single event as if, you know, on a summer day in 1969, three men climbed into a rocket, flew to the moon, put on their spaceship uh, spacesuits and took a few steps and then planted the American flag and then came home. But, of course, the magic was the result of that incredible effort of those 300,000 people, an effort unlike any that had ever been seen before three times as many people worked on Apollo as on the Manhattan Project to create the atomic bomb. And in 1961, the year that Kennedy formally announced Apollo, NASA spent $1 million on the program for the year. Five years later, NASA was spending a million dollars every three hours on Apollo, and they were doing it 24 hours a day. And as I said earlier, the 60s were really tumultuous. Uh, you know, we had the Vietnam War, we had the urban riots. Then, of course, we had the, all those assassinations. President Kennedy, Martin Luther King, Robert Kennedy. And Americans were constantly questioning, why are we going to the moon when we can't even handle the problems that we have here down on Earth. And there were these Harris polls uh, that were taken four weeks after Apollo 8's telecast that was from the lunar orbit. And you probably remember um, that one of the most famous pictures of all time, the photo of the Earth floating in space above the moon, that was the first color photo of Earth from space. It was called um, Earthrise. And it was that single image credited with helping inspire the modern environmental moment. And it was Bill Anders, um, who was an astronaut, who took it. The, the three, the three uh, astronauts on that mission were Bill Anders, Jim Lovell, and Frank Borman. Well, anyway, 
Four weeks after Apollo 8's telecast from the lunar orbit and that incredible photo, the Harris Poll conducted a survey and asked Americans if they favored landing a man on the moon. Only 39% said yes and asked if they thought the space program was worth the $4 billion a year it was costing. 55% of Americans said no. That particular year, 1968, the war in Vietnam had cost $19.3 billion, more than the total cost of Apollo to that point, and had taken the lives of almost 17,000 U.S. troops, about 50 people dead every single day. Uh, it was by far the worst, worst single year of the war for the military. And Americans would prove to be delighted to have flown to the moon, but they weren't preoccupied with it. So the race to the moon did not usher in the space age. It ushered in the digital age. And the, the 1960s did two things to lay the foundation for the digital revolution. First, NASA used integrated circuits, the first computer chips, in computers that flew the Apollo command module and the Apollo lunar module. And except for the U.S. Air Force, NASA was the first significant customer for integrated circuits. So microchip powers the world now, of course. But in 1962, they were only three years old. And for Apollo, they were just uh, very brilliant, but they were a real controversial bet. And even IBM decided against using, uh, using them in the early computers of the 1960s. But what's, what happened is NASA's demand for integrated circuits and its insistence on its flawless or near-flawless manufacture helped create the world market for chips and helped cut the price by 90% within five years. So NASA was the first organization of any kind, company or government agency, anywhere in the world to give computer chips a the responsibility for human life. And of course, if computer chips could be depended on to fly the astronauts safely to the moon, they were probably good enough for computers that would run chemical plants and analyze advertising uh, data that we use today. So there's so much that you're going to be able to read about it. Again, the day is July 20th. Um, that it is actually happening, and um, that'll be 50 years. So we can really thank Apollo for all sorts of technology that we have today. And um, so landing on the moon, are we going to be going there again? Are we going to be establishing a, a, a colony? Are we going to go to Mars? Well, I don't know. Our, I guess we'll have to just wait and see. But with this 50 years, I think there is some excitement out there. So make sure to uh, read about Apollo 11, no matter what age you are. And, and if you were one of the people that was looking up that day on July 20th, just remember, it was wonderful to have people looking up at engine readings and heart rates of the men inside the cockpit because today most of us are looking down at our cell phones and our tablets and we're not communicating as much as we could. So the digital age, as great as it probably um, is, well, I guess I should say as great as it is, 
um, we do have to look at how we are operating today. So the legacy isn't just about every pocket, every driveway, every home, and every office of Apollo. And the descendants have helped us to remake how our world learns, works, plays, communicates, spends, and socializes. And of course, there are the thorny questions of control and responsibility that have been raised and it has dawned, you know, created the dawn of an era of artificial intelligence. But I wouldn't be talking to you today if it probably wasn't for Apollo 11. So with that, we're going to take a break. When I come back, I'm going to give you a prescription for living that involves nature. You're listening to Cynthia Bryan. This is Star Style. Be the star you are. I'll be back in a bit, so don't you go away. Be the star you are. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. Are you seeking a Dynamo speaker for your meeting, conference, or organization? Internationally recognized keynote speaker and New York Times bestselling author and lifestyle coach, Cynthia Bryan, will bring her energetic expertise, passionate professionalism, and ebullient personality to your event. Hailed as an expert in lifestyle, women's issues, self-help, personal balance, leadership, media, gardening, and interior design topics, Cynthia Bryan is a popular empowerment keynote speaker around the world. Lecturing to audiences of 100 to 5,000. For rates and bookings, call 925-377-STAR. 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 And visit www.cynthiabryan.com. When you want the best, book Cynthia Bryan. www.cynthiabryan.com. This business of show business is calling out to me. Get started acting or modeling with a consultation from media coach extraordinaire Cynthia Bryan, who has guided entertainment careers for over two decades. Call 925-377-STAR or visit www.cynthiabryan.com. Pick up a copy of her award-winning book, The Business of Show Business, and start living your dreams today. Call 925-377-STAR. 925-377-STAR. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. It's power time on Star Style. Be the star you are with your passion, purpose, and possibility producer, Cynthia Bryan. Now, back to the power party. So we're back, and, you know, the best moon movies to watch, if you want to see it, is First Man, Apollo 11, and Apollo 13. And Josh just told me that Neil Armstrong just released some video today that's probably available somewhere on the Internet. I haven't checked it out yet, but I definitely want to. So just wanted to give you that information. So John Muir said everybody needs beauty as well as bread, places to play in, pray in where nature may heal and give strength to body and soul. My question to you is how often are you outdoors? Are you spending most of your time sitting in a chair staring at your computer screen? Do you feel lethargic? Are you tired? Are you anxious? And if so, you're not alone. But help could be right outside your door, literally. Because in today's technological world, many people, including children, are increasingly living their lives indoors. And according to the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, 20% of children, that's one in five, and 30% of adults, that's one in three, in the United States are obese. 
Now, back in 2005, when I was doing my weekly radio show, the one that you're listening to right now, Star Style, Be the Star You Are, um, on World Talk Radio, out of the studios in San Diego, I invited author Richard Louvre to be a guest on my program with his newest hardbound book at the time. It's called Last Child in the Woods, Saving Our Children from Nature Deficit Disorder. Now, before the program, we both sat in the sound booth and we were lamenting the startling facts that the average child of the day could identify TV personalities and sports stars, but they knew nothing about bugs and flowers and trees or nature in general because kids were not outside playing just as we did when we were children because they wanted to be plugged in and tuned out. Now, his book and the interview have remained lodged in my psyche as a warning that all of us who have children or grandchildren or are guardians of kids, we don't want our child to be the last person to witness the woods. Fast forward to today, and although nature deficit disorder is not an official medical disease, children and adults are more alienated from nature than ever before. They have increased attention difficulties. They have higher stress levels. They have poor body image. They have obesity issues and a plethora of physical and emotional illnesses. What's being prescribed are pills, yet people are sicker. So could spending more time in nature be the answer to our woes? Well, physicians throughout the ages have encouraged people to go outside more. Um, Hippocrates wrote that walking was man's best medicine. And to ward off aging, physicians in the Han Dynasty suggested outdoor frolicking exercises. I love that line. And in the 19th and 20th centuries, people were instructed to visit the mountains to enjoy the magic air or to take in the waters at mineral springs to mitigate a variety of infirmities. So science supports the fact that exposure to natural stimuli, especially gardening and just being outside, will lower blood pressure, bolster immune system, reduce the levels of stress hormones, improve our disposition, increase our confidence, promote healing, lessen inflammation, minimize obesity problems, and decrease our dependence on pain medication. And besides having fun, a brisk walk in the park three or four times a week may stave off cognitive impairment for older adults. Now for kids, the exercise and fresh air of playing will help with maintaining a healthy weight as well as heighten their cognizance of the natural world. Community gardens offer people an opportunity to commune together and to grow and to harvest fresh food, and that will promote better health. Nature is a healer. For me, my garden is my happy place. It's my refuge. It's my innovator. I talk about it all the time here on this radio show. After all, they do call me the goddess gardener. And I get all my best ideas for all of my endeavors while I'm outside listening, watching, tasting, feeling, exploring, experiencing, doing, and being. Uh, right outside of my office, a beautiful red-headed house finch perches on my gurgling fountain, singing his heart out daily. The frogs croaking, the buzzing bees, the wind in the palms, the scent to the star jasmine, the rustling magnolia leaves. You know, the beauty of all the blossoms, the trickle of water, the cooing of the doves, the chants of the quail. Everything that is about nature activates my imagination. And I just feel a soothing in my soul. So the repeated refrains of Mother Nature, they are my nurture 
and they are my medicine. And it won't be long before physicians everywhere will be writing prescriptions for parks instead of painkillers. I've talked about forest bathing many times here on the show, but it's actually happening now where national parks are offering programs and some doctors and especially some that have started here in the San Francisco Bay Area like Kaiser Permanente are actually uh, having programs that prescribe nature walking and being outside. So being out to outside in nature inspires awe. It inspires wonder. And we're blessed to have an abundance of open space, meadows, trails, mountains, local parks here in the United States where we can experience the tranquility and the magic of the outdoors. So it is summer. Nature is calling. Get up, get out, and welcome that fresh air. Spend more time in a garden or a commons. See for yourself how you feel. And although I am not a doctor, I am prescribing more parks instead of pills. I mean, there's no downside. And Ralph Waldo Emerson said, all my hurts, my garden spade can heal. And I kind of think that too. So I have a few um, tips as our guides, as I'm be your goddess gardener on the side for increasing your health through nature. So improve your physical uh, skills by getting kids to play outside more. Buy a supersized bubble wand and blow bubbles in the yard. Eat healthier with a Mediterranean diet loaded with freshly harvested vegetables and fruits. Source produce hyper-locally at your farmer's market or a rural uh, fruit stand if you're not growing your own. I mean, summer is the optimum time for the freshest fruits and the best vegetables that have the highest nutritional values. And did you know that the USDA defines purchasing local produce and food as within 400 miles of your state? I don't think that's so local. And most food on the American dinner table has traveled anywhere from 1,500 to 2,500 miles or more, according to World Watch Institute, meaning that the nutrients and antioxidants have been diminished. So if you really want to pack a punch with your food, you do have options. Eating in season while growing your own or being part of a community garden is the number one solution. Or frequenting farmer markets will reduce your carbon footprint and they'll offer you fresher alternatives. Might be a bit more expensive, but you're going to be healthier. Or you can even go one step further and drive to a local farming community to purchase freshly harvested crops at road, you know, roadside stands, like what we used to do when we were kids. And this serves the dual purpose of getting you out into nature as a prescription for better health and stocking your kitchen with food that is going to be delicious and nutritious. Float some bougainvillea blooms as a creative centerpiece. Soak your tired feet in a bowl of warm water filled with healing marigolds and chrysanthemums. Cool off on a cushion of green moss. Express awe at a dragonfly hovering over a reed in the water. Enlighten your perspective with a copy of Last Child in the Woods by Richard Louvre. Pick it up. I mean, it's really worth the read. Pick some chamomile flowers to make a soothing tea. Save some of the seeds and plant them. Install a birdhouse in a fountain to entice the songbirds. Wander through a colorful succulent garden to see the various textures and forms. Wonder at the sight of a flower that you've never seen before. Soak in the beauty of the delicate blossoms on a silk tree. 
and gaze at the clouds and be grateful for your health. Drink plenty of water to stay hydrated. Listen to the sounds of our beautiful earth to experience calm. And I wish you happy gardening and happy growing. And that is your prescription from nature to nature for wellness. I'm Cynthia Bryan. You're listening to Star Style. Be the star you are. We're coming to you live on the Voice America Network. This is the Empowerment Channel. We'll be back in a bit, and we're going to talk about profitability. Be the star you are. The star you are. Change your world. Change your life. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. Business Bites. Here's Cynthia Bryan. Happiness is a choice. By creating more joy and happiness in your life, you will be a better employee or employer. Joyful people are optimistic and energetic. To help yourself on the journey to more fun in the workplace, write a to-do list every day. And at the top, write as your number one goal, enjoy myself. Recharge your batteries with enough sleep, a good healthy diet, time outdoors, and social interactions. Share positive feelings and accomplishments with your peers. Respect yourself and others. See humor in mistakes and in imperfections. Allow yourself to be playful and identify the activities that make you happy. When you are joyful, your enthusiasm will be contagious in the company, allowing your bottom line to have more dollar signs. It takes more muscles to frown than to smile, so smile a lot. And remember, you're the star of your own performance. Turn your passions into profits. I'm Cynthia Bryan with another business bite from Star Style. For more information, visit CynthiaBryan.com. That's CynthiaBryan with an I, dot com. Be the star you are. The star you are. The annual cost of illiteracy to American taxpayers is over $225 billion. Help increase literacy, reduce violence, and improve positive media messages by making a tax-deductible contribution to Be The Star You Are charity. A top-rated nonprofit, Be The Star You Are promotes positive role models, produces positive radio broadcasts, and donates positive books to empower women, families, and youth. Be a power partner and join our galaxy of stars. Visit our website at bethestarur.org to make a tax-deductible donation using PayPal or send checks to P.O. Box 376, 376, Moraga, California, 94556. Bethestarur.org. Dare to care. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. It's power time on Star Style. Be the star you are with your passion, purpose, and possibility producer, Cynthia Bryan. Now, back to the power party. This business of show well, we're back. Hello. Thank you for staying with me. You're listening to Cynthia Bryan. This is Star Style. Be the star you are. And we are brought to the airways under Be the Star You Are charity. 
So please visit the website, bethestarur.org, and if you feel inclined to be generous, make a donation. Even a dollar makes a difference. And the great thing is uh, there's PayPal. When you click on Donate, it'll take you to PayPal Giving Fund where you're not charged any fees and 100% will benefit uh, Be The Star You Are charity. So I think that's uh, pretty cool. So now I want to uh, discuss with you how to run a profitable business, you know, success by designing. Because if you want to thrive, it requires more than just talent. It really requires business acumen. I mean, there's a reality that anyone needs to face if they want to operate a profitable business. So if you are creative and you're talented, that's simply not enough to succeed in any industry because it has to be coupled with a solid business plan and a steadfast commitment to sticking to that plan at every turn and with every new client. So the culmination of such an approach can lead professionals uh, down a path that is both creatively satisfying and financially rewarding. So how can you run a profitable business? So among the first and costliest mistakes that most people start when they are, you know, when they're starting a new business is that they don't recognize there is a business that needs to be run first and foremost because just being amazing at what you do isn't going to fill the bill. So the next step is you have to pair your creative talent Uh, with running that smart business, and the logic's not hard to follow. If you can't complete a project on time or on on budget, if you can't communicate your value to your client, if you can't earn referral business, none of this is going to get you any more business, and you won't be profitable. Because at the end of the day, it is what you take home that matters. So you can't be pricing yourself out of the market, You can't be too high. You can't be too low. Take home salaries um, that aren't reflective of what you need to earn is um, is important. You know, and why why isn't it important if you're if you have a high gross but you have a very low take home? It's for a number of reasons. But in order to determine the answer, you need to have a full appreciation of what the fees that you're charging are if they are adequately compensating you, your employees, your firm, and if it's adequate so that you can walk away with some money at the end of the project rather than saying at the end of the job, oh my gosh, I spent too much time on the project. My staff time was extraordinary, but my overhead was crazy out of whack. And that, that can really put everything in a bad place. So it's not necessarily the size of the project that you are doing that matters. In fact, sometimes the big projects are the bigger losers and the smaller ones are the more profitable. The difference is carefully analyzing profitability at the close of each project and making the necessary adjustments because um, it's not really a question, again, getting back to the talent, it's an understanding of the numbers. You can be like the greatest interior designer on the planet, and you can have the most beautiful portfolio. But the only thing that you really need to know and how to improve upon your profitability is to actually analyze every project to see 
what did I really earn with that project? So likewise, it is important to have a system that could be repeatable by you and by anybody that you are working with in your company or your firm. Because if it is not duplicatable, the system isn't, then you're really not running a business. What you are running is a one-man show. And that could be a one-man or one-woman business, but it's not going to be good enough to keep you going. And of course, every business faces a myriad of problems and risks and identifying and taking those steps to mitigate them is absolutely crucial. The success uh, happens when you can avoid any disputes and it's closely tied to that risk management. So one of the first things that professionals need to do is understand what kind of risks they might be facing in running their business. Now, among some potential risks that professionals do face or may face include, you know, working outside the scope of their abilities or failing to outline the scope of a project, which could lead to disputes with clients or not defining obligations when working with others. So offering personal guarantees, you know, lacking proper insurance policies, for example, or investing too much time and capital in a project and then not getting paid for it. Sometimes it's really hard to get paid for things. Uh, One of the things that I think when running a business that's really critical is to be offering a credit card. I can't tell you, I've had a number of, um, of, I guess Mercury's in retrograde right now and people say things tend to break. So I've had, you know, pipes break, doors fall off, all kinds of things where I've needed to get bids to fix things. And when bids are especially high, it's difficult when somebody says I'm a cash only person. I also don't trust them that much. Um, If they have a credit card, I feel that I have some backup if something goes wrong because then I have a dispute thing. If I'm paying them cash, I don't have that. So I'm always shocked when a business doesn't offer credit cards. So just think about that. I think today we run on credit cards because we all need that 30 days of credit. And um, not that many people have a lot of cash on hand. If it's a $50 job, a $50 job, that's one thing. If it's $1,000, that's another one. So the biggest one, uh, though, that I think can really doom a business or any project is reputation. Now, for the past, I don't know how many years, six years, seven years, um, I have been on the Yelp Elite Squad, which means that uh, when I go someplace or hire somebody, I can write a review. And when you're on the Elite Squad, it goes to the top of the pile. And I really like giving four and five star reviews because I really like to hire only the best people. I like to work with the best people. I really like to go to places that are, you know, are are going to be service oriented. But it's interesting when you do go to a site like Yelp, when you see that there's ones and twos. Now, of course, you have to sift through them. There are some people that get angry over little things and not everybody agrees with uh, with that kind of thing. But so you, we have to be fair. But the most important thing that we can all protect is our reputation. 
because in order to do business and to survive and to thrive, we have to be known as a, someone who is fair and equitable and runs a, a very honest business. So how can you do that? Well, contracts are important. Obviously, contracts and letters of agreements are essential to mitigating any risks. But prior to signing any documents, it is really the ideal time to determine who you're working with, what their expectations are, and whether a project is even worth pursuing. Uh, a pre-contract phrase phase, not a phrase, a phase or the contracting process is probably among the most practical ways to educate yourself and the client on what your role and responsibility will be. And it's going to set the tone for the rest of the relationship. I know that before I sign a letter of agreement or before I work with a client and have them sign one, I want to go through it line by line let them know what I understand the scope to be and make sure that we're really on the same page because you don't want to be unreasonable and you want to know that the requirements of the client are something that are acceptable to you and reasonable for you to accomplish. And it's the first time and probably the last time that you're going to easily be able to bow out of a project without any legal entanglements if you want it to go well. So I know that all of us, including myself, you never want to push too hard on terms of a contract or a letter of agreement because we all fear of losing a client. But negotiation is always the professional approach, and it serves as a litmus test for all future business. So if a client or a potential client refuses to sign or takes issues with terms that are important to you as the business owner, that is a real red flag and consideration should be given to perhaps walking away from that project or at least sitting down and having a very frank discussion, get everything out in the open so that you know what you're dealing with. Now, assuming both parties agree to move forward, the contract itself is essential to, access to a very successful working relationship because um, if it's not in writing, it doesn't exist. I know that I grew up on handshakes and my dad did all his work on handshakes and that, and you know, people stood by them. It was very, you know, that's just the way it was called integrity and you walked your talk. But unfortunately, we don't live in that time and day anymore. So you can't simply change the name and date on a template. There are all kinds of contracts and templates on the internet that you could use, but you really have to wrap your head around something that is going to be unique for the projects that you're working on and for your own company. So while emails and verbal agreements may seem to be enough initially, we are all very vulnerable without a contract if any project goes south. So be clear up front. That's probably the number one thing. The other thing is intellectual property. It's another provision that we want to include in contracts if you are dealing with intellectual property like photographs or, or uh, drawings or designs, and especially if there's any custom work that maybe you as a business owner would like to license. For example, when I was doing uh, interior design as a professional member of American Society of Interior Designers, 
um, I created and designed a, a game table and, and ottomans that went with it. And it was called the Star Style Game Table. And they sold at the Design Center. But I did have clients that asked me to have them built for them. But those were my intellectual property. So if a client objects to any intellectual property stimulation on the basis of duplicating a residential design elsewhere, for example, um, you could agree by contract not to do that. And then you'll have a better right to your internet, your uh, intellectual property rights. So make sure, just to sum it up, to communicate your values. Because the reasons that we struggle in business sometimes is because we fail to communicate to our customers and our clients the importance of what it is that we do and how we are charging accordingly and the things that can happen. So we have to have a process in place to do so. And if you can convey your value, then people will give you money for that. And um, sometimes we believe as business owners that clients can just go out and get it anywhere. And that is true. They probably can, but they're not going to be able to get it the way that you can get it. So ultimately, encourage uh, yourself and and your business people to stand up for the strengths and realize that the work that we do is significant and it's needed. And when successfully communicated the worth to a client, then it is going to be valuable. And the value is very, very critical. Well, that is my show for today. I hope that you will go out and either uh, you can rent First Man. I think it's probably out there or it might be on Netflix. I think Apollo 11, I'm not, I couldn't find it. It was on IMAX. Apollo 13 is available out there to see. And then just start uh, looking at the different things that are available either in magazines, online, or in the newspaper because um, the moon landing was really quite a feat for uh, Americans and for humankind. So thank you so much for being great listeners and allowing me to be with you every Wednesday from 4 to 5 p.m. Pacific. Make sure you're always tuned in to Voice America Network. And this is the Empowerment Channel, and we have lots and lots of other great shows that will enlighten and inspire you. Remember, you can change your life and make your dreams come true. For more information about Star Style Productions, or me, Cynthia Bryan, or to book a consultation of any kind, visit my website, CynthiaBryan.com. I really hope you'll consider making a donation to Be The Star You Are nonprofit, which empowers women, families, and youth uh, through increased literacy and positive media programs like this one, and Express Yourself. So visit btsya.com or .org. And until next week, when we celebrate once again, remember that love always wins, kindness always prevails, and smiles will keep us happy. I'm Cynthia Bryan for Star Style, thanking you and encouraging you to be the star you are. Look up, look at the stars, and check out the moon. America has been there. Thanks for joining me. Be the star you are. The star you are. Be the star you are. You are the star. It's 
It's been a pleasure bringing you our life-changing program, Star Style, Be the Star You Are. We have you on our radar as it's our goal to inspire, inform, entertain, and motivate you to be the star you were born to be. For more information, visit StarStyleRadio.com. And to make a donation to the charity, go to BeTheStarYouAre.org. Ignite the flame that burns brightly within. Take charge of your life and coach yourself to success with our dynamic host and empowerment architect, Cynthia Bryan, every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time, right here on the Voice America Empowerment Channel for another serving of champagne for the spirit and a power boost to live with star style. Until we celebrate together next week, be the star you are.